reading from Matthew 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The word of God to the world. of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was the first Sunday of the month. That meant someone needed to bring the bread. It was the deacon's job to recruit someone to be the bread baker or the bread purchaser, but the combination of the deacons are on vacation and then some forgot it was the first Sunday of the month meant that no one realized it was Communion Sunday until 10 minutes before the service 
and there was no bread. This was the situation at a good friend of mine from seminary's church, not long after she arrived on staff. But the other pastors were also on vacation. She hadn't been there long enough to get a week off. And also on this day, she had invited friends to come and participate in the service. So they had all spent extra time preparing for the worship service and were in her office just relaxing, trying to have a good sense of themselves, be calm and thinking, this service is going to be great, we got this, until panic knocking on the door interrupted their conversation. The anxiety was palpable in the faces and on on the faces and in the voices of the ladies group who had all realized the oversight. Pastor, we have no bread. We've got all the grape juice in the world, but we have no bread. We could only find half a bag of goldfish left over from Bible school. And you can't very well break a cracker and say, do this in remembrance of me. Who should we send to get the bread? Church is starting basically now. Well, despite their best efforts to put on the everything's fine and under control faces, the guests in my friend's office could tell something was not right. But to everyone's amazement, they said, we have bread. We brought two loaves because we know that you all have a fellowship time after the service. And so why don't you just use one of them? Naomi made two loaves of challah bread last night. It's fresh baked. See, the guests at my friend's church were Jewish. They were there to talk about the practice of Sabbath and the practices of hospitality, gratitude, and stopping, even when you have more work to do. And yet here they were in the office 10 minutes before the service, putting words into action, sharing what they had, meeting the hunger and need for bread with joyful gratitude, saying, we got this, Christians, relax. <laughs> and all the anxiety melted away with the awareness that what was happening here was something of a miraculous synchronicity of faith that all recognized the presence of God in breaking bread, sharing meals, and trusting the community that's larger than we often think it is to provide enough. This story appears in all four Gospels, the account of feeding thousands of people. And it was treasured by the early church because it taught all of the followers of Jesus how to live in relationship with God and each other. And this relationship starts with hunger. Not just physical hunger, though that was plenty of that to go around, but also emotional and spiritual hunger. Starting with Jesus. Jesus was hungry for solitude, for time away. The this in the scripture that we heard about references what had just happened to John the Baptist at another feast. 
of food that likely was not blessed because John's head ended up on a platter for Herod's birthday. And so Jesus needed some time away to grieve the loss of his prophet, the loss of his kindred spirit, John the Baptist. Jesus sought out a deserted place, which reminded me of the wilderness. Perhaps he needed a return to the wilderness to confront the temptations, to rely on himself instead of God to provide, to fulfill others' expectations of what he should be, and to give in to the powers of the world, and so avoid a similarly bloody fate. But this time when Jesus goes out to the wilderness, he's not alone. The crowds have also heard what happened to John. And something drives them out to the wilderness as well, to the marginal places where they probably already have a sense, that's where Jesus goes. That's where we'll find him. Because they're seeking. They're hungering for a deeper connection with God, with one another, for a purpose and meaning and hope. And so when Jesus found the crowd waiting for him, perhaps his hunger was sated by the compassion he felt for them, for the recognition of their courage to be with him, choosing the way of life that lives out God's truth instead of remaining in the center of death-dealing power. So in response to what he finds, Jesus cures their sick, Matthew says. Jesus' actions flow out of compassion. Here and elsewhere in the gospel, Jesus sees people's need for health, for truth, for nourishment, for peace of mind, and is deeply moved. Jesus uses the words from Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, to define and on occasion defend his ministry and way of ushering in God's kingdom. And so late in the evening, far from markets and villages, mercy takes the form of bread. Yet this story is so much more than a food miracle. As the poem in the beginning of the service suggested, Sister Simone Campbell paints the picture that only the men, the ones who were counted, thought the miracle was about food. She jokes that men are always the ones who just show up and there's food on the table and they think, wow, food, how great. But it's the women, of course, but not always, always. <laughs> who make it happen, who are prepared. And so she jokes that upon seeing Jesus initiate the breaking, blessing, and sharing of the food in his hands, the women who are always prepared with food from home went and did likewise. So the miracles of sitting down with strangers and sharing food with strangers, trusting the community's resources to supply enough, happened when people started participating in them. Miracles happen when we participate in them. Not simply waiting around for Jesus to fix everything, 
or turn stones into bread, which we know he never does, or completely giving up in the face of being completely overwhelmed with all the need and demands for help. The story shows us that miracles can happen when the gathered community collectively rejects the myth of scarcity and says generosity and sharing don't make economic sense when it feels like there's already not enough. And instead recalls the thousands, millions of other times when God has made a way through no way and provided exactly what we need. But when our bellies or pocketbooks are empty, there are no names on the sign-up sheet, and night is falling, that can be hard to remember when we're overwhelmed by the expectation to always have enough. And so a quick return to the text reminds us that oftentimes those expectations are ours, not God's. And often we put ourselves on the hook that God just thinks, wow, why, why'd you do that? You made the hook and you put yourself on it, and I never said you had to do everything. You need to do something and do it well. So it's a relief to me that when Jesus says you give them something to eat, he follows it up with, bring me what you have. The church isn't asked to fulfill every need. It isn't asked to figure out how to manage so little to meet the needs of so many. Jesus tells the disciples, bring what they have to him. Let him bless it and give thanks for it. And then receive it back to share with the community around them. So the task of disciples today. Don't put on your everything's fine and under control faces in order to make a good impression or to think we have to meet all the needs all the time of a hurting and hungry world and community. Our task is just to share what we've been given. Share what we've already brought with us and trust that it is enough. Our call is to be like our brother Jesus, to look up to heaven with gratitude and imagination that sees God's abundance already revealed as we share freely, irrationally, maybe another word for faithfully, and trust that God can take our limited resources and make of them a feast to share with thousands. This is how, to me, the practice of potlucks that we Baptists have made sacred can transform a church. And just in my initial experiences with you all in our congregational gatherings, Providence understands deeply that mealtime is where ministry happens. Some of the best and most meaningful things in life are shared over meals. People share celebrations and devastatingly painful news. Creative ideas are hatched. Relationships are formed. 
mended and strengthened, and substantial commitments are made. Jesus knew this well, preferring banquets and picnics, conversations at local wells and watering holes, and long talks over good wine to committee meetings. Just saying, there's no committee meeting in Scripture. His stories and all the stories we have of him involve food. Because he knew that sharing food set the stage for all kinds of other deeper sharing that we yearn for, creating the spaces where God is present. And where God is present, there's plenty of everything else. So beloved people of God, we have been entrusted to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet through, through which God gets God's work done in this world. So may we have the courage to bring the deepest hungers of our hearts, to share in gratitude what we have. Trust that God will do God's job. And then prepare to be amazed. 